Welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. This is the podcast that helps international families make great decisions when it comes to choosing university courses. Welcome to another episode of the Find Your Best Future podcast. Jeremy, um, we're going to be looking, looking at economics today. Uh, what is economics exactly? You mean you don't know, Neil? <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> you're you're I, in good company. I actually do, but I'm, 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 you know. Oh, you're just I'm, pretending I'm, you don't I'm know doing... for my benefit. I understand. Exactly. Uh, okay, well, economics, I mean, pretty much everyone's heard the word, but a lot of people struggle to put a definition on exactly what economics is. So in this podcast episode, we're going to explain what economics is and take a look at the career opportunities open to economists. So here goes with a quick definition. Economics is a social science concerned with the production, distribution, and consumption of goods and services. It studies how individuals, businesses, governments, and nations make choices about how to allocate resources. So well, there what a, what a, there's a quote. But in reality, it's the sort, <laughs> yes. of, it's the sort of social science side of, of, of business studies, and it, it, it differentiates itself because it is a very quantitative, it's um, uh, a very... Uh, math statistics based course as opposed to the business side studies courses that are uh, are more um intuitive and more um based around real world examples is that right yes that's absolutely right i think a lot of high school students sometimes get confused between economics and business they are as you've just mentioned two completely different areas and you will quickly realize this when we get on to talk about macroeconomics Fantastic. So let's get to it. So economics, we've said what it kind of is, but, but could you give us a sort of idea of, of what economics is in the uh, uh, university study sense, please, Jeremy? Yes, I mean, there are really two major types of economics. This is microeconomics, uh, which features on the behavior of individual consumers and producers, and macroeconomics. And this examines the overall economies on a regional, national, or even international scale. Right. And um, let's drill into each one of those uh, in a little bit of detail, please, Jeremy, because it's really important that students understand what they're going to be studying when they go and study economics. So maybe let's kick off with microeconomics. Yes, indeed. Uh, microeconomics focuses on how individual consumers and firms make decisions. Right. Uh, and the, these individual decisions uh, can be made by a single person, a household perhaps, a business, or even a government agency. And so analyzing aspects of human behavior uh, microeconomics tries to explain how people respond to changes in price, for example, and, and demand and, and why they do things at certain price levels. This, this is all part and parcel of microeconomics. Right. And then sort of moving along, um, microeconomics tries to explain how and why different goods are valued differently and, and how individuals make financial decisions. I mean, even down to a very basic level, like if a customer is in the supermarket, um, which toothpaste are they going to buy? And does the price point you know, affect that? These, these are all factors that companies have to take into account. Uh, and this falls under the area of microeconomics. Okay. And so so how, micro, yeah. micro, you could sort of say, is the, 
you know, taking the word micro as looking at the detail uh, yes. of how how it works. Uh, the other uh, term that's often used is macroeconomics. Macro being big picture, I guess. Very much so. Um, macroeconomic policy is concerned with the operation of the economy as a whole. As I said, either at a national level or perhaps even an international level. Uh, so right. in broad terms, the goal of macroeconomic policy is to provide a stable economic environment that's conducive to fostering strong and sustainable economic growth on which the creation of jobs and wealth and improved living standards depend. And so economists tend to divide macroeconomics into different sort of categories as fiscal policy, monetary policy, and of course, exchange rate policy. Right. And um, what are these exactly? Well, let's start with fiscal policy. Um, fiscal policy operates through changes in the level and composition of government spending and the level and types of taxes levied, for example, and how much government, government borrowing is going on. Because governments can directly influence economic activity through capital expenditure on, on large right. projects, uh, and also through the effects of spending, taxes, transfers on private consumption, investment, and so on. So that's really the fiscal policy comes in at the government level. Okay. And then you have monetary policy. In most countries, the government or the national bank is responsible for setting monetary policy. And these decisions are implemented by changing the cash rate. This is the interest rates on loans in the money market. Right. And the cash rate is determined in the money market by the force of supply and demand. And then finally, we have exchange rate policy. Uh, this is concerned with how the value of the domestic currency relative to other currency is determined. I'm sure most of you are aware that uh, interest rate or so exchange rates change. If you've ever traveled as a tourist and you've had to change your money into a different currency, uh, you've experienced the ups and downs of exchange rate policy. Indeed. And then there's some, also in macroeconomics, there's a sort of systems level, isn't there, uh, of thinking uh, the difference between uh, different ways of looking at how you sh we should organize uh, our economies and indeed ourselves. And that kind of crosses over into politics or maybe international relations sometimes. Can you give us a quick idea of what that is? Yes, I mean, there, there are lots of variations on the systems, but it probably boils down to three main systems. Um, the first one is capitalism. Um, this system uses the, the market prices, profit and loss as the selection mechanism as to who will decide how resources are allocated for production. So in capitalism, um, it's a system of production whereby business owners organize the resources, including workers, raw materials, and then they produce goods for sale in order to make a profit. So in capitalism, workers are hired in return for wages. Owners of land or resources are paid for the use of these resources. And the owners of previously created wealth invest their wealth and are paid a dividend. For example, you might buy shares in a company with right. your savings, and then the company will pay you a dividend, uh, depending on how their profits work out. Um, countries which operate this system, and the United States, of course, is a good example. And most of the developed world operates a broadly capitalist market economy. So that's, okay. so in a nutshell, what capitalism is. 
and then the other two traditional sort of forms of structuring? Yeah, we have a cooperative production economy, as it's called, sometimes called socialism. Um, this is a form of um, cooperative production, I would say. There's a mix between private and state ownership of the means of production. However, unlike in the capitalist system, prices, profits and losses are only part of the factors that determine who produces what. So typically a government will control certain sections of the economy. And these are normally paid for by taxes that they levy on citizens and also, of course, on businesses. These areas will include, um, for example, public safety, like police, fire, ambulance. All those right. things are controlled by the government. Um, obviously, things like defense, again, government controlled. But interestingly enough, very often the utilities like water and electricity are controlled by the government rather than uh, be sort of private companies. And then things like national transportation. A lot of countries, especially in Europe, um, they have a national rail network, which is owned and subsidized by the state. So these are some examples of how um, a more sort of mixed economy, if you like, a cooperative production economy or socialism works. And as I said, a lot of European countries operate this sort of mix between sort of socialism and capitalism. Right. And then over on the other side of the of the scale. Yes, the command economy. Um, this was practiced in the communist countries. Um, they would typically make a five year plan and then everything was centrally controlled. Um, so all economic activity is coordinated by state sponsored central planners. Right. And the idea is that um, society's theoretical economic strength can be marshaled for the benefits of society at large. Whereas, of course, in a capitalist system, um, profits tend to find their way into the hands of those who've invested. But in a communist system, at least in theory, um, these benefits are going to be spread around the population. And I think um, it's really important to say that although you know, this is, forms the basis of uh, classical economics. Economics is really at the forefront of redefining how we should look at how we organize ourselves uh, going forwards into the 21st and 22nd century. Um, and sort of, uh, I know that economics is really uh, 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 you know, challenging these paradigms and really looking at, uh, uh, at how we can find models that work uh, in in the age of uh, climate change and uh, uh, very much a changing working market, and so uh, although uh, economists has a, economics has a, a very deep basis in in the twentieth century and indeed in the nineteenth century, it is a very much a forward looking subject. I think you're quite right, Neil. I mean, as you just mentioned, uh, the whole issue of how we use resources uh, yeah. is really critical. I mean, very much in the news at the moment uh, with climate change. I mean, how are we going to manufacture the power that we need, electrical power, um, in terms of uh, emissions and use of fossil fuels or, or other sources of power? All of these things have to be factored in when a country is doing some your macroeconomic planning. And of course, it spills over also into the microeconomic area because companies are concerned about, you know, their, their profit and loss accounts, their sales. And so there's a lot of um, 
interaction between these areas, I think. And it's, it's certainly a very interesting area of study. But I think if you go to university to study economics, you're going to have to have an awareness, an awareness rather, of many, many other areas, like the environment being one. And so this is a really a fascinating area for students thinking of moving to university to do economics degrees. Yes, I was reading an article uh, recently where they were, uh, the article was suggesting that you know the the two two groups of people who will be able to uh, get us out of the challenges that we're currently facing are the scientists and the economists. Uh, in that, uh, finding a model within which uh, uh, new scientific innovations can actually uh, succeed is is really uh, the uh, opportunity that we currently face. Um, okay, but what does it look like in real terms for? Um, students who are thinking about studying economics? What, what does the course look like uh, traditionally? That's a very good question. I mean, we started this episode talking about, you know, a lot of people are not really too clear about what economics is. Yeah. And I think, it's, I think it's very useful to dig into basically an economics degree. So I had a look at what the University of Cambridge offers, uh, you know, what, what units a student will will study during his or her three years on the bachelor's degree. And it, it made very interesting reading. Um, in part one, uh, first year, understandably, students will be covering all the basic areas like macroeconomics, microeconomics, quantitative methods in economics. Um, the quantitative methods uh, is really a paper or a unit which uses mathematical and statistical techniques, which is very important. You mentioned earlier, Neil, uh, you do need to have a certain level of mathematical skills you if you want to study economics. And then, of course, uh, also in the first year at Cambridge, political and social aspects of economics is also very important. And then because it's a British university, they have a look at the sort of economic history of the UK as well. So right. this is what you would study on that particular degree. But I would emphasize, of course, different universities have a slightly different approach, but they certainly cover all of the basics. But as we move on through the Cambridge University units, you're going to see how it sort of starts to diversify and offer the students more options. So then moving into year two, you do more micro, more macroeconomics. And then you do something called theory and practice of econometrics. Now, econometrics uses economic theory, mathematics, statistical inference to quantify economic phenomena. In other words, it turns theoretical economic models into useful tools for policy making and those in government who need to make those policies. And then still in year two at Cambridge, you get to choose um, one of the following. And this is where it gets starts to get interesting because students can start to pursue their own specific area of interest. And Cambridge University offers the following uh, international trade, modern societies, mathematics and statistics, labor, modern state and its alternatives, international conflict, order and justice, history and philosophy of economics, and then the world depression in the interwar years, the 1920s, 1930s. So there's a lot of choice there for students to pursue their own particular interest area. 
that's the year two at Cambridge University. And moving along, it follows a similar pattern into year three. Again, you'll be doing micro and macroeconomics, principles and problems of. And then um, students will have to do a dissertation and also take a couple of further papers. And they can choose from economic theory and analysis, political economy, banking and finance. A lot of economic students move into this area for a career. Public economics, the economics of developing countries, industry, theory and practice of economics, part two, global capitalism. We were talking about capitalism just now, and also British and European politics. So there's, mm. there's quite, quite a breadth of, of opportunity for you to pursue your, your interest direction on this degree. So that's, that's a sort of a fairly typical um, economics degree at obviously one of Britain's top universities. I think I'd like to add, uh, Jeremy, obviously, you know, my son studied economics. Um, uh, and, um, you know, his course had a had a, a, a more forward looking focus. So there were many more courses around sustainability, uh, around sustainable finance, around all of these things. Um, and so, you know, it really depends on, on the university, as you pointed out. The kind of uh, approach that that they take. Uh, some universities will take a more traditional, a more classical approach to economics, oh. and perhaps Cambridge is one of them. Others may be at the forefront of one particular area of economics or the other. So it's uh, really important that you uh, do what we always suggest, which is to dig into the detail of the course syllabus. I mean, you, you mentioned sustainability just now. We, we've actually made a podcast episode on this very topic. But right. if you were to go and do environmental sciences, sustainability degree, there, there would be a, certainly part of your studies would be looking at economic theories, uh, because economics is something which overlaps into many different areas. If you study international relations, uh, for example, you're certainly going to be looking at the impact of, of economic decisions on on the whole political landscape. So it's, it's a very interesting area of study that um, spills over into a lot of other academic fields. It certainly does. Um, and you mentioned that uh, many economists go into finance uh, and banking. Uh, what other jobs are available uh, if you study economics? Just before we move on to that, um, we, we've just run through the uh, the, the, the course content of Cambridge University. We've made a podcast uh, on Cambridge University, if you want to go and have a listen to Ah, yes, episode. of course. Yeah. Okay, so the jobs, um, many, many different types of jobs. Um, economics uh, experts are, are greatly sought after in the business world, financial consulting, um, researchers. Um, but so if, if we still run through a few of the major ones, obviously you can work as an economist. And right. sort of possible employers for economists. And this is the interesting, you know, obviously, local and national governments. We were talking just now about macroeconomics, but also banks, insurance companies, think tanks, multinational companies, financial consultancies, accountancy firms, local authorities. And it, the list goes on and on, really. Uh, but careers in banking are particularly popular because, uh, remember, employers are looking to recruit graduates with a certain skills set and the skill set that you acquire um, is going to be very useful in in the whole field of banking financial planning risk analysis etc etc 
And accountancy, again, a lot of economists move into accountancy. They might want to do some further professional qualifications in that area. And then there's the public sector uh, working for, for governments or government agencies. Uh, again, your skills and knowledge as an accountant will be very useful in this area. You know, things like public taxation, transport policies, commercial right. waste services, energy, we mentioned just now. The governments are involved in a lot of different areas. And of course, they need to know how this is going to pan out from the economic, macroeconomic point of view. So governments are uh, big employers of eco economics graduates. And then you might move into the actuarial and data analysis careers, uh, because as I mentioned, the sort of uh, analytical data crunching skills that you acquire on an economics degree will be very useful in this, you know, pensions, banking, insurance, we've mentioned already. Um, and then alternative economics degrees, things which are not obviously directly uh, related to economics, Things like human resource management, uh, IT areas, journalism. Um, there are all sorts of uh, publications, one of which is called The Economist even, uh, where you will be writing as a journalist and using your economics background, your economic skills. Uh, law, you might want to move into the legal profession and do some further professional qualifications and qualify as a lawyer. And general man management jobs, market research, politics, you might become a politician, public relations, taxation specialist. There's lots of areas that you could potentially move into with your economics degree. Right. And you would probably agree with me that it's a it's a, a, a strong area um, for somebody who's interested in in entering into the broad uh, field of of uh, government, business, finance. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, uh, many graduates uh, from economics courses are, are highly demanded. They are indeed. Uh, and, and it's also a competitive uh, university course to get onto. Uh, it, it's popular and top universities certainly have more applicants than they have places. So that's something else to think about. Okay, so uh, I'm thinking about studying economics. Um, what specific advice do you have for me uh, in this regard? Well, I think the advice falls into two main categories, really. There's the sort of the more general advice and the more sort of specific advice for a potential economic student. Um, right. let's, let's start off with, you know, you need to decide which country you want to study in. I know that sounds very basic, but it's quite important that you think about this carefully. No matter what you're going to study at university, you, you need to know, you know which country you would like to go and study in. And then yep. following on from that, you need to have a careful look at the course content on the university's website. We've just been through the course content of Cambridge University. And I mentioned then, as I went through, that it will be different uh, course content at different universities. So have a little look and decide, you know, is this what I want? Does this offer me what I'm looking for? fairly basic questions, but you need to address those. Um, decide which area of economics best meets your needs. Um, as I said, it'll be different at different universities. So have a careful right. look at all of that. And then look for courses which allow you to go and work in a company or organization. 
These are normally called placement or sandwich courses or co-op courses of different names, but they all amount to the same thing. And they allow you a great opportunity to gain work experience, which will stand you in very good stead when you finally finish your studies and apply for your first real job. Because you can then go and say to your employer, look, I have the academic background and I also have work experience. And that's very Indeed. important for you. Plus the fact you earn money and it gets you out into the real world. So it's a win-win situation. And uh, this is excellent, looks excellent on your CV or resume. And then have a look at the careers that the course opens up. Most universities will publish this information on their website. They'll say something like, our graduates have moved on to work for the following companies or the following areas. And this makes very interesting reading for you because there'll be a lot of job opportunities or job areas which you probably haven't considered. It'll really open your eyes to the possibilities that are open to you. I think I'd like to throw in there that you need to make sure that you're comparing like with like when you're looking at this data because uh, um, you know universities obviously want to uh, make themselves uh, look shine out and uh, present themselves in the best light and sometimes the data is phrased uh, in in different ways to to uh, express a slightly more positive picture than perhaps uh, uh, another university so be aware of that um, uh, you mentioned the practical things that people need to think about and we've looked at those in other episodes but could you give us a quick idea of of of, of the kind of things that students should be aware of yes we're getting down to basics now the cost right uh, tuition fees plus living costs you need to go and talk to your parents and see what the budget is how much they are prepared to spend on you and then uh, focus in on the universities which fall within your budget area Right. And then beyond that is the whole university environment, because after all, you don't only study there, you actually have to go and live there. You know, sure. do you want a big city, a small city, a campus? It's really a personal choice, but it is important to think about this because we would like to think that you feel comfortable and happy in the place you land up in, because if you do, you're far more likely to be academically successful. Indeed. And then practical matters like housing. Does the university guarantee housing? for first-year students, for international students? Do they guarantee housing for all three or four years? You need to research this. Um, some students are relying on working alongside their studies uh, to help finance the whole study process. Um, so you need to check out whether you are actually allowed to work in that particular country. Obviously, if you are a citizen of the country, then you will be allowed to work. But if you're not and you're there on a student visa, what are the, what are the restrictions on how many hours you can work? So you need to check that out. Um, oh, yes, a visa. <laughs> you do actually have to get one uh, because if you're not a citizen of the country, then you'll need to get a visa to go and live there and study there. You it's do. a fairly straightforward process. Uh, the university will guide you and help you with it. But um, as a little tip, sometimes bureaucracy is a little slower than you would wish it to be. So don't leave it too late because you can't actually travel to that country until you've got the visa. Uh, so you do need to factor in this sort of chunk of time. And I think and you've left but... the, uh, the one that's most important <laughs> to last there, Jeremy. I have, yes. Um, if, if the university you've set your eyes on wants sort of straight A's or better, and you are scoring straight B's or C's, 
then maybe you should shop around and find somewhere else. So do your grades meet the minimum entry requirements published on the university website? You need right. to check it out. You do. And, and you know, economics, as you said, is a competitive area. And so investing in your uh, resume, your CV in advance is, is probably a good idea. It's always a very good idea. And I think that, you know, if you're in sort of grade 10, 11 uh, in school listening to this episode, I think you need to start thinking about your CV, your resume, and doing some interesting things that you can put onto your CV. Right. It just makes you a more attractive potential student or a more attractive employee in the future. Um, so getting a job during the vacation between grade 11 and 12, for example, is always a good idea. Even if you can't get a job that's directly related to economics, it does show that you have the energy and initiative to get out of the house in the morning and go and do something. And universities and employers appreciate that. Right. And then, of course, there are the whole things of transferable skills. I mean, you already have a lot of transferable skills which you are learning and honing at school, uh, communication skills, presentation skills. Uh, most schools require you to give a presentation in front of your classmates. Writing and mathematical skills, teamwork, it's very, very important. Um, analytical skills, all of these things you are actually already doing. Perhaps you're unaware of it, but you are. So try and sort of hone these skills as much as possible. Right. Um, for example, if you're going to study economics at university, as I assume you are, or at least interested in doing, then join your school's Model United Nations. This gives you the opportunity to look at international organizations and also develop these transferable skills like presentation skills. It also builds your confidence if you go to a big con conference and you have to stand up and give a speech in front of maybe hundreds of delegates. This is also a very useful thing to do. If you are studying in an IB school, you're going to have to write an extended essay uh, as part of your IB diploma. So write it in the field of economics. It gives you a chance to actually go and research something and analyze data. And this was going to look very good on your application. So all of these things you need to be thinking about. Right. And what subjects or grades does a student need to um, uh, uh, study and acquire? Well, not all schools offer economics as a school subject. Clearly, if your school does offer economics, then you need to be taking it at the highest level available. Um, but you also need to think about the mathematics uh, angle of economics. Um, a lot of economics programs will demand that you take you know, a higher level of mathematics, if you like. And many of them will specify that they want to see mathematics at a certain level on your application form. Um, you can quickly check this out by going to have a look on the websites of any universities you are interested in. But mathematics plays a critically important role in economics. So right. you need to go need to go and check this. And do you have any advice that you can offer to prospective economics students over and above? Well, you're going to have to go and... Uh, you know, have a look around at the universities that you are thinking about applying to. There's something called university rankings, and we've made a separate podcast episode on this. Uh, rankings are a useful starting point to have a look to see where the top universities are. Um, please don't think number six is ne necessarily better than number 10 because they tend to flip around from year to year. 
Um, but it will give you a general impression of where the top 20 universities are, where the next 20 are, etc. So you can have a look through the rankings list. Um, but probably just as important, you need to look at does the university offer you the opportunity to take a minor or an elective program? Right. You know, how much flexibility is there within that program? Um, perhaps you'd like to take economics and maybe a foreign language or mathematics or business. There's a lot of things you can mix an economics degree with. Um, so have a little look at all of that. I think it's also important to understand that uh, uh, the university's ranking perhaps doesn't reflect the specific department ranking. Um, and maybe uh, in, in economics is one of the areas where you should be looking at the, the rankings, not just of the university as a whole, but also of the uh, department. That's a very good point, Neil. Most of these ranking websites have filters which will allow you to filter in top, you know, top economics departments in you know, this country or that country. And that's certainly worth having a look at. So, Applying for an economics degree is uh, pretty much um, standard, I guess. Uh, uh, and we've covered the process in multiple other episodes. Uh, could you just give us a really quick picture? I'll give you a quick rundown of the important things you need to look at. As I mentioned, decide which country, look at your grades, look at the course content, look at the location of the university. But very, very important, have a look at the percentage of graduating students who are employed within six months right. of graduation. This will give you an impression about uh, how effective that university is in placing its students in companies and organizations. Right. Um, and, and the other thing is, of course, uh, to make sure that you use the right process. And sometimes uh, yes. in some countries it's centralized, like UCAS in the UK. Yeah, very good point, Neil. Um, you need to understand what the actual paperwork trail is, for want of a better phrase. You need to know what your deadlines are because they're all different country by country, even university by university. So you need to go and check all this out and just make sure that you do it ahead of time. Right, um, you that's mentioned your top that, tip, that, isn't it? It's always my top tip, yes. Um, you mentioned, Neil, that the UK has a centralised system. It's called UCAS, and we've made a, a separate podcast episode on this. Uh, the United States has something called Common App, Common Application. Other countries, you tend to apply directly to a specific university. So go and check out which countries, which universities you are interested in, and just make yourself a little spreadsheet with the deadlines uh, noted there, and then proceed with the application process. Right. And uh, cost, uh, it's always the same kind of conversation. How long is a piece <laughs> of string? Um, yes. uh, I'm guessing that it's the same for economics, it, although probably uh, at the, the lower end of the scale uh, in, um, in the context of different uh, locations, perhaps, although economics is generally uh, quite expensive to study. Is that right? Well, yes. I mean, cost varies a lot from country to country, depending on how much taxpayers' money is subsidized in the university system. Um, you could be paying anything from $60,000 a year to free. just depends where you go. But within a specific university, there are sometimes 
variations in cost between right. different subjects. Science, engineering degrees, medical degrees tend to be more expensive because, of course, the university has to provide some expensive facilities for you to use, like science labs. Whereas subjects which are more in the sort of humanities area where you can do a lot of research online or you just need some books, they tend to be a little bit cheaper. Um, but the main factor here is the country and the location. Right. I think you're right. And But you have to say that uh, subjects that are highly demanded by international students and economics tends to be one of those they tend to have a, a higher price tag for international students than perhaps other subjects that uh, are less highly demanded for international students yes that's correct before we wrap up jeremy have you got any uh, pearls of wisdom uh, around this area that you'd like to share Always, Neil. First of all, look carefully for the internship opportunities and then look, grades permitting, to apply to a top university, as this is where employers will come looking to recruit graduates. Yeah, and it's just really important at this point. Um, uh, you know, there are certain target universities, as they're called, aren't they, Jeremy, where employers yes. actually uh, uh, dedicate huge amounts of resources to actually uh, getting getting people um, uh, into their com company, um, and they of course offer a, a, a range of benefits. Yeah, and the employers are looking to recruit the best, and uh, they assume that if they go to a top university, they're going to find the best. Yes, indeed. My my um my son, as you know, is uh, studying in St Gallen at the moment, a master's, and uh, he got in his LinkedIn feed. Uh, a message specifically to his course from uh, uh, one of the Swiss banks wishing him luck in his exams. Uh, um, uh, and it just shows the level of, of detail and focus that uh, companies are prepared to put in in order to secure top candidates. Um, uh, and so choosing the right place to go, a critical uh, decision. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share the Find Your Best Future podcast.